The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now, uh, I'm a customer of this website and you probably are too. In fact, I shouldn't even have to tell you about it. It's been around for like a thousand years. They're ancient, but that also makes them like the most well-respected place to get this particular type of item, which, you know, you want to be discreet about. I'm talking, of course, about Adam and Eve. And with Valentine's Day coming up, it's a great time to remind you. Adam and Eve has hundreds, if not thousands I think thousands of sex toys ready to spice up your love life. They have everything you could possibly want to inject a little excitement into your love life this Valentine's. And Adam and Eve, like I said, has been around forever. So they were one of the first pioneers of early podcast advertising. We want to thank them for that. So for this Valentine's, head on over there and get yourself and your lover a treat. Use my code SWORD, S-W-O-R-D, and you'll get free shipping. Plus, you'll get 50% off almost any one item. So head on over to adamandeve.com and use offer code SWORD, S-W-O-R-D, at checkout. Again, that's code SWORD at adamandeve.com for 50% off almost any one item plus free shipping. Have a happy Valentine's. Sword and Scale contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. His love to the neighbor as a kind soul. He did not have the mental capacity to know where the jugular vein was. Hey there. Welcome to Season 8 and Episode 196 of Sword and Scale. A show that reveals that the worst monsters are real. your mom I mean how how is your mom is she is she nice or is she overbearing uh, we're gonna hear about the latter in this episode of sword and scale but before then I'd like to let you know that season two of sword and scale along with sword and scale rewind 
will soon be behind a paywall. Yeah, it's part of our business model. But uh, you can download it right now if you're a Plus member. In fact, if you're a regular member, you can download it right now and you can store it in your little hard drive because it's going away in October. And it'll only be available exclusively through Plus. By the way, that's where you support us. Swordandscale.com slash Plus. Sign up today if you can. We'll see you there. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everyone has responsibilities, but some people have more than others. Life seems to pile on us, and we reassure ourselves that everything will be okay by thinking that the universe wouldn't give us more than we can handle. Very few people stop to think about what happens when we reach our breaking point until we've already bitten off more than we can chew. On November 23, 2014, 63-year-old Andrew Gailey woke up to six voicemails from his son's ex-wife. According to the voicemails, Andrew's 29-year-old son, Darren, was supposed to return his daughter from an overnight visit, but never did. Annoyed by the early morning drama, Andrew called his son, but Darren didn't answer. Andrew knew that Darren's mother, 65-year-old Sylvia Majuska, was required to supervise overnight visits, so he tried calling her. When Sylvia didn't answer either, Andrew became frustrated and started the drive to his son's house. While in the car, Andrew dialed 911. My name is Andrew Gale, and I'm calling to talk about a possible missing person. Okay, we have the reports over the phone. What city or township are you in? Oxford, Michigan, Open County. Send a deputy out to you. What's the address? The address is, I'm not there yet. This is my my son's house. His mother and Darren were supposed to have Darren's child back with the mother in Carroll last night by 7, and they weren't. Andrew wasn't sure what he would get out of this call because Darren's ex-wife attempted to file a missing persons report the night prior with no success. In Michigan, you can't report a person missing until they've been gone for at least 24 hours. A bit of an antiquated policy, if you ask me. Until those 24 hours would pass, the best thing police could do was perform a welfare check. And I called Sylvia's cell phone, I called Darren's cell phone, and no answer. 
Two Oakland County Sheriff's deputies met Andrew at Darren's and decided to take a look around. To their surprise, none of the previous officers had tried opening the front door, and they were able to walk right in. However, the three of them didn't get very far. Their eyes locked onto the couch in the living room just a few feet away. Hanging from the couch was a pale, gray Sylvia Majuska dripping into a five-gallon bucket filled with blood. Sylvia Majuska and her husband Andrew Gailey lived in Oakland County, Michigan, which is amongst the wealthiest high-population counties in the United States. Sylvia was an accomplished painter and worked as an appraiser and director for two different art galleries. Sylvia's eccentric outward appearance, mixed with her obsessive-compulsive personality, charmed Andrew into falling in love with her. Andrew, who was a no-nonsense blue-collar man, adored the adventure Sylvia brought into his life. Sylvia also gave Andrew two daughters from a previous marriage, and together they had two more children named Carly and Darren. Unfortunately, the boy, Darren, was born with cognitive impairments, leaving him with a mental disability and a seizure disorder. Although Sylvia never connected with her daughters, she developed a special attachment to Darren. In 1996, when little Darren was only 11 years old, his life and the lives of everyone in this family would be turned upside down when his father's parents died, leaving him almost $1 million. That kind of money would give most people peace. But to this family, it would only bring pain. Sylvia quickly developed a distaste for being told what she could and couldn't do with the inheritance money, and soon she filed for divorce. Her ex-husband, Andrew, will tell you that the divorce wasn't personal. Sylvia made it clear. She just didn't want to share. Sylvia and I had a very bitter divorce. I had an inheritance. Sylvia wanted it. We fought on it. We divorced. We had a special needs child, Darren. Seizure issues, low IQ, special ed, all that stuff. Sylvia's a very controlling person. She's not a not very truthful person. So when the divorce came and she did it, you know, she filed for divorce, you know, so be it, okay. So we got divorced, okay. I fought tooth and nail with her for visitation rights to my children. I spent a lot of money with lawyers at friend of the court's office, okay? And it was an uphill battle being a male. I was employed, I don't do drugs, I'm not a drunk. And it was tough. The court battle lasted for 10 years, and Sylvia used her son Darren 
like a weapon against his father throughout its entirety. Sylvia forced young, submissive Darren to write letters to the court claiming Andrew abused and neglected him. For a while, Darren, Darren didn't talk to me several years after the year of the divorce because Sylvia had a PPO against me and all this bullshit, and neither did my daughter Carly, okay? Blah, blah, blah. It was horrible. It killed me. It really killed me because she was then suing the trust. I was a trustee of Darren and Carly's trust, okay? And she ended up suing it and breaking the trust early so she could get the money. Sylvia used a portion of the money she made in the divorce to set Darren up if anything happened to her. She bought Darren a home in Oxford and helped him get a job at the local grocery store. Although Sylvia made a good chunk of change from the divorce, her reign of terror had just begun. Sylvia was a brilliant woman and promptly learned how to manipulate the court system. Together, Sylvia and her tenacious legal team used the courthouse like an ATM. In only a few years, Sylvia sued Andrew repeatedly, filed a bogus slip-and-fall lawsuit against a market, and even went after her neighbors for their apple trees. Back then, the mere mention of Sylvia's name struck fear into the hearts of Oakland County judges. At one point, Sylvia found herself at the courthouse every other day, generating a legal file that was five inches thick. Sylvia's life was seemingly perfect until Darren met 27-year-old Amanda Hendrick. We actually met online. Wasn't supposed to be like anything serious or anything like that. And then we decided... In June, I think it was like, it was a Tigers game. I bought the tickets. He bought dinner. I thought that was very appropriate. But he had to ask his mom permission for money to go out on a work night. thought it was kind of weird that he had to ask permission. And she said, well, is she driving or are you driving? You would assume that a grown man who lives alone needing to ask his mother for permission to go on a date would be a bit of a red flag. But Amanda gave Darren the benefit of the doubt. She was happy she did, too, because Amanda immediately fell in love. Behind all of the quirkiness that came with Darren's disability was a kind-hearted, gentle giant that she adored. All of his friends called him Bear. One, because he was so hairy, head to toe. It was kind of gross. And two, he snored like a bear, like crazy grizzly bear snore. Every day that we were dating, he would have a Pepsi and Twizzlers for lunch at work. And he called Pepsi his coffee. Which, you know, he didn't drink coffee. And he didn't drink alcohol. So whenever he went out anywhere, he got a Pepsi that was his drink. Darren also fell in love with Amanda. She was his first intimate relationship, and Amanda taught Darren what it was like to be independent. Darren had never been able to stand up to his mom, ever. And I was actually talking to one of his friends, who now are one of my friends, and she said that she'd never seen him happier, and I gave him everything he'd ever wanted. You know, the love, the support, just the normal adult life. And Uh, Then she went on to say that, you know, he never had stood up to his mom and talked back to her until he was with me. 
And by talk back, it wasn't like a disrespectful talk back. It was more like, no, I am almost 30, mom. <laughs> I deserve this. I want your help with my money, but I don't want your help in my love life or in my house. It's my house. It's my life. I just need your help with my money. Can you still help me do that? But he didn't want to hurt her at all. We both didn't want to hurt her. It was more, he was like, Darren realized, oh, wait, I'm an adult. I can do this. I just need help. Darren assumed that his mother would be delighted that he found a good woman. But Sylvia was pissed. Sylvia kindly told her son that any time or money spent on a woman other than her was a waste. To put it gently, Sylvia's mothering made Norma Bates look warm-hearted. However, Sylvia appeared to have a change of heart when she found out Amanda was collecting government money. That was when Sylvia allowed Amanda to move in with her son, which bewildered everyone except for Darren's father. She allowed this woman to move in with Darren just because she wanted the money, okay? Because Amanda was on Social Security Disability. Well, there's a regular paycheck. Regular, like clockwork, forever, right? That means she's got health care coverage, too. So that wouldn't be a burden to Darren, right? That's independent of Darren. Sylvia thought she could save some money on Darren's bills by allowing Amanda to move in with her son. But her plan backfired remarkably. Shortly after Amanda moved in, Darren proposed. And Sylvia knew that the moment her son said, I do, her power over him would dissolve. So Darren and I got engaged in the fall of 2013. I couldn't choose. I wanted so many different dates for different reasons. Darren just went, August 3rd. And I went, August 3rd. Uh, Then we decided to have the wedding at Novesta Church in Cassidy. We had invited all of his family, his sisters, his uncle, his mom, his dad, you know, dad's girlfriend at the time, brother, all of them. Not one of his siblings or family members showed up. And his dad actually sent the invite back. Uh, saying something about the wedding was an abomination or something like that. Despite his family's behavior, Darren was happy. Darren finally felt like a grown man and believed that his life couldn't get any better. But days after the honeymoon, fate proved him wrong. Well, Sunday morning I woke up and I just was not feeling good at all. So finally it was like 7 o'clock at night. I'm like, the pain hasn't gone away. I have to go to the ER. And so they ended up taking my blood, doing blood work because I had no idea what was going on. And then the doctor, not even two minutes later, comes in and says, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I went, uh, do you have the right paperwork? And then Darren comes in the room because they went and got him. And The doctor comes back in and says, yeah, I had the right paperwork. Congratulations. You're pregnant right in front of Darren. Darren's face lit up like nothing else. Like, what? When were you going to tell me? (laughs) After they left, it took me a minute. And I remember telling him, how about we not tell anybody (laughs) just yet? Darren wasn't able to keep the pregnancy to himself and out of pure excitement, told everyone. So anyway, went home. 
thought he understood not to say anything the next day at work. I got a call from a coworker of his because I was friends with them. And they said, oh, congratulations. When are you due? And I went, Darren, I am going to neuter you. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's just super excited. He's happy. We've never seen him this happy before. He got home from work and he had wonderful voicemails from his mother. In his mother Sylvia's eyes, Darren thoroughly messed his life up. The life she had spent so many days cheating the legal system to provide for him. His mom had asked, it wasn't really asked. I'm saying asked because I'm trying to be nice about it. It was more like telling me that the baby was going to have too many medical problems because we were both fucked up. She said that I needed to abort it, which I don't believe in that at all. And if I didn't do that, I needed to give it up for adoption because neither of us could take care of ourselves. Sylvia had never felt so powerless, and she wasn't the type of person to accept that and let it go. To take the reins back, Sylvia called in reinforcements from her ex-husband, Andrew, and together they petitioned the court alleging that Darren was legally incapacitated. Being the courtroom savant that she was, Sylvia convinced a judge that her son needed a legal guardian and conservator and persuaded them to appoint herself instead of Amanda. Darren's attorney, Jason Dandy, walked us through the process. In Michigan, there are guardianships and conservatorships. In some states, there's only one or the other, and they serve both roles. Uh, The way that it's bifurcated in Michigan is that guardianships tend to have authority over an individual's health care decision-making and their placement where they live. Um, Conservators uh, have control or authority and responsibility over an individual's assets. And somewhere between the two of them, if someone serves in both roles, uh, lies the authority to essentially control a person's life. You may be familiar with guardianships if you've ever heard of the Free Britney movement. In California, they referred to the combination of guardianship and conservatorship as just conservatorship. For example, the legendary pop star Britney Spears was put under a conservatorship in 2007 after she had a very public mental breakdown. I think we all remember the old umbrella shaved head incident. At the time, Britney's father, Jamie Spears, was appointed her temporary guardian, but that was 13 years ago. So typically, with a guardianship or a conservatorship, the, there needs to be a petition filed where the, the, the substantive allegation is this person isn't doing right by themselves for one reason or another. Mental illness, physical disability or physical illness um, is generally the grounds in a guardianship case. In a conservatorship case, it's this person isn't doing right by their own assets. There are assets that'll be wasted or dissipated if, if there's no conservator put in charge. And it, again, the, the, the reasons are often very similar. Um, some kind of uh, ongoing illness that affects their mental capacity or some kind of physical ailment that prevents them from effectively managing their affairs. The Free Britney movement began after Britney made unsuccessful attempts at having her conservatorship removed. After all, it was supposed to be temporary, and Spears seemingly got her shit together. Her fans noticed Britney was mentally stable enough to release multiple albums, tours, launch businesses, and hold a Las Vegas residency. 
yet her father maintained complete control over her life. That was when conspiracy theorists began to wonder if Jamie held his daughter captive and forced her to keep performing for cash. Podcasts, YouTube channels, and even documentaries started popping up that examined every Instagram post, every TikTok Britney made, in search of hidden messages begging for help. So there's a lot there. What I can say is a few things. One, to anyone out there, if you put a quarter in the proverbial machine, you don't get to decide when it's shut off. And, and that is true for guardianships and, and conservatorships. Without picking any particular individual and discussing them, I, I will just note that anybody who looks into, for example, the Berkeley prison experiments can see what happens when a person has authority that isn't realistically checked. And it, it rapidly grows out of control. The conspiracy theorists might not have been complete kooks. Brittany's recent courtroom testimony contained detailed examples of her abuse. I cried on the phone for an hour and he loved every minute of it. The control he had over someone as powerful as me as he loved the control, thousand percent, he loved it. They watched me changed every day naked, morning, noon and night. My body, I had no privacy door for my um, for my room. I gave eight gals of blood a week. If I didn't do any of my meetings and work from eight to six at night, which is 10 hours a day, seven days a week, no days off, I wouldn't be able to see my kids or my boyfriend. I never had a say in my schedule. They always told me I had to do this. And ma'am, I will tell you, sitting in a chair 10 hours a day, seven days a week, it ain't fun. And especially when you can't walk out the front door. And that's why I'm telling you this again two years later. After I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay and I'm happy, it's a lie. I thought I just maybe I said that enough. Maybe I might become happy because I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. Jamie Spears relieved himself as Britney's guardian, but maintained his conservator position. I don't blame him either because over the 13 years Jamie has been Britney's handler... He's made almost $2 million. It depends. If there are sufficient assets in the ward's estate, so to speak, then they can be paid from that. Otherwise, they have to submit a voucher in in most situations, asking the county to be reimbursed a minimal amount for their services. And so when you've got the person who's making the financial decisions and they're also looking to find out how they're supposed to be compensated, I think in some instances, and I'm not applying it to this specific case necessarily, but just since there are some instances where you're going to find people who act, for lack of a better way to put it, in a very self-serving way. But to answer your question, yeah, it's definitely something where you've got people who are making decisions about what to do with a person's money, and they expect themselves to be paid from that same exact pot of money. Britney Spears may have millions of fans fighting for her rights and liberties, but Darren Gailey only had his wife. After Oakland County granted Sylvia legal power over her son, she wanted complete control. That's when Sylvia Majuska decided to give a new definition to the phrase monster-in-law. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, 
The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS, if you know what I mean? You need Shopify for retail. Did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash sword and scale, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sword and scale to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sword and scale, all lowercase and no spaces. Shopify.com slash sword and scale. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Sylvia Majuska's son Darren left her nest and started a family, she felt her control over him disappear. To gain it back, Sylvia brought her son to court and gained guardianship over him. Although Sylvia legally controlled Darren's life, he was still married, and she wanted his wife's influence out of the picture. The first step in Sylvia's plan to gain absolute control was kicking Amanda out of her son's house. His dad called my mom and said, Darren won't be coming back to the house and everything's going to be turned off until she's gone. I'm five, six months pregnant at this point and I wasn't going to have heat in the middle of winter and we just had a huge ice storm. Due to Sylvia's guardianship over her son, 
Darren could do nothing to stop his mother, and Amanda moved out. The next step in Sylvia's plan was cutting off any communication between Darren and his pregnant wife. From that point, I barely got to talk to Darren. So they took his phone away, changed his number, watching who he was calling, how long he was on the phone for. They only put so many minutes on per week so that that's all he could use. Took his car away so he couldn't even go and hang out with his friend Tony or go anywhere without um, his mom. So at one point they did give the car back, but they only put enough gas in to go back and forth to work. That was it. Sylvia only had one step left in her strategy, and it would be a step that would hurt Darren the most. Although Darren begged his mother not to, she filed for divorce on his behalf. Sylvia and I got into this good cop, bad cop deal, where I was the rational one, and I could kind of get Darren to do things that needed to be done for his own best interest. Or Sylvia wanted things right now, okay? One now. Well, that's not how you work with people, okay? Especially your son, who has a learning disability and a low IQ and didn't want the divorce anyway, okay? Because Amanda was controlling, you know, he, she, Amanda had her, her hand on his dick and then you know, Sylvia had no chance, okay? And basically it was that these, these two bitches didn't get along, okay? Understandably so. Don't assume that because Andrew was involved meant that he had any say in the decision making. Sylvia worked Andrew like a puppet, just like she did everyone else. There was this period of time that Darren, she saw my outfit there, and we, I buried the axe from my side, and I think she did here, but she wanted something. That's the only reason why I was called. I was pushed away, pushed away, pushed away. She couldn't control Amanda. She couldn't control Darren. She brought me in. I mean, I've talked at length with a counselor about this and came up with, yeah, she wanted you. She needed you. That's the only reason why you're there. I got that, and I'm okay with that, because it was all about Darren. Five days after receiving the divorce papers, Amanda went into labor. Charlie Hendrick was born on April 10th, 2014. She weighed seven pounds and nine ounces. I didn't tell him I was in labor. The reason why I didn't tell him is because Darren won when he was super excited. He got, how do I put this nicely? Annoying sometimes. (laughs) Which I think that's any man that's excited. Anybody really can get when they're happy and excited about it. They just exube it. Well, his was on a whole nother level. And I was already stressed as it was. I didn't want his mother in the room. That was one of the biggest things. Um, I already knew it was going to be difficult for me because of not being able to be a family at that moment. I wanted Darren there, but I knew it wasn't just going to be him and I. When Darren learned that Charlie was born, he had to ask Sylvia for permission to visit the hospital. To everyone's surprise... Sylvia allowed Darren to go, but under her supervision. When I was admitted, they had asked me if there was anybody that I did not want in the room. And I specifically said his mother and his father. When they came, 
she tried very, very hard to get in, but they almost had to remove her with security, and she tried waving the papers, saying, oh, I'm his guardian. He can't be without me, and it was just... I was so tired, for one. I didn't want to deal with it, and I said, fine, five minutes, and I finally, I just let her in, and to this day, that's the biggest regret, is I let her in to hold her when she was a newborn. And she kind of held her out like she was diseased. And I'm like, no, there's something wrong there. Just because Sylvia allowed Darren to visit his baby doesn't mean that she would let him stay all day. So his work had said, you can take two days off. This is completely fine. I'll be paid. And his mom had said, well, no, he only needs to be there for a half hour. Oh, man, his face, though. I'll never forget that. He got to feed her her first bottle. So, I mean, he got a few firsts, which I'm glad that he got those. She had a hold of him already. I mean, he put his pinky out and her hand was barely big enough to fit around his pinky. And he was ear to ear smiles. And the counselor nurse, the one that had said, if you don't want her here, we can get the security, said that, You have five minutes or until she says you have to leave. And she did not like that at all. But that was the one time I kind of felt like, finally, I got the control. (laughs) After Charlie's birth, Sylvia didn't cut back on her courtroom tactics. Sylvia filed for a personal protection order against Amanda on Darren's behalf over a fabricated assault from before they were married, which the judge denied. And then after I had Charlie, they took away the car again because she said, well, if you're not willing to get a vasectomy, you're not going to get your car because we don't need another mistake in this world. Amanda and Darren spent several months in divorce court attempting to stop his mother from ripping their family apart, but they were ultimately unsuccessful. Finally... On the day their divorce was finalized, Amanda brought Charlie to court with her. After the hearing, Sylvia felt content she had accomplished her goal of having the one and only say in her son's life and allowed Darren to take a parting photo with Charlie and Amanda. The picture he took uh, at the courthouse that day is our only family photo we have, too. Just just thinking of that photo makes me want to (laughs) cry. This is the only one, and it's in a freaking courthouse. In a courthouse. I don't have one of all three of us in the hospital. I don't have any, you know, birthday photos, you know. The only one I have of all three of us is in a freaking courthouse after divorce hearing. It's just stupid. I should have, I should have all these photos of both of them together. But yeah, that... That photo is one of the best photos I have, even though Charlie's face isn't in it. That one shows Darren 100% how happy he was to be a dad. Before Charlie left with her mother, Darren took the opportunity to allow Andrew to hold his granddaughter for the first time. Another thing that happened that day was Darren had asked me, can I see Charlie? And I'm like, yeah, sure. She's your kid. I'm not going to keep you from her. And so he took her 
and was showing everybody and everything. I stayed back because I was like, I'm not going to interrupt and whatever. I can see her. Not that I didn't trust him. It was just that mom instinct to watch, especially with Sylvia right there. And so he took her over to his dad and said, hey, dad, do you want to hold Charlie? And when he walked up to him, his arms were like in front of him. And when he answered Darren, his hands and arms were behind him. I said, no, not this time or maybe another time. I can't remember the exact phrase, but you could see the disappointment on Darren's face. Darren's attitude towards his parents changed at that moment. Darren never let the heartache get to him, but his spirit broke when Andrew refused to hold the baby. I remember Darren a few times saying, what did I ever do to make them so upset at me? I just remember going, it's not you. It's not you. You, despite them, you are an amazing man. You have difficulties just like everybody else. Yeah, yours may be a little bit worse, but... You're a happy-go-lucky guy, and you have one of the biggest hearts in the world, and that's what I love about you. After the divorce, Darren was allowed a supervised overnight visit with Charlie every other weekend. Being the easygoing person she was, Sylvia demanded that she supervise Darren and Charlie's visits. Charlie's first few stays with her father and grandmother were uneventful, until the weekend of November 21st, 2014, that Thursday, which was 16 days after the divorce, Sylvia reached out to Darren's father. Now, Sylvia's always been paying Darren's bills. Always, always, always. We are co-conservators and co-guardians of Darren. So she emailed me last week to say, once again, she had to kick in money for Darren's house payment because the Child support payments were taking them under, okay? And then when I was up there last week, during the week sometime, she showed me a water bill of Darren's that was like 300 and some odd dollars. Overdue. Then she called me, I don't know what day it was, but Thursday or so. And she was in tears, and we were talking about that, and she was saying, I just hate him. I hate Darren. I hate Darren, what Darren's doing to me. I can't do this any longer. I can't do it. And being a father and trying to be the calm one, the rational one, I said, well, you know, that's just, you know, you don't mean that, so you don't mean that, okay? We still love him. We don't like what he does, but we still love him. The next day, Andrew called Darren and his mother while they drove to pick up the baby, because he heard they were fighting over a car seat they bought for Charlie. And I talked to her again Friday. I told her, I said, I I wish you luck, you know. And I said, you know, I I wish you you well. I want to give you a lot of credit. I'm trying to to pump her up. I told Darren Friday, I said, Darren, be nice to your mother, okay? She's doing a lot for you. She's paying your bills. She's doing this. She's kicking your money. You're broke. He's, been, he's made some money raking leaves, cash, but he put new brakes on his car. And there is not much of Darren's estate. So, that's, so that was Friday, okay? I gave Sylvia a pep talk. I said, Darren, be cool. Said, be nice to your mother, please. Sylvia, 
was getting very upset with her. I mean, she say you hate your child with meaning and anger behind it, and what he's doing to me. Well, what Darren was doing was Darren was screwing up himself in reality. But Sylvia internalized it as all about her. Andrew believed that Sylvia was mad about the car seat because Amanda forced Darren to buy it. Sylvia said that I was forcing him and that I had to supply it because they were paying child support. And so I had called our worker. I don't even remember her name, Rachel or something like that. And I said, what do you want me to do about it? And she's like, oh, yeah, we already got three emails from her. And I'm like, well, what do I do if they show up and they don't have a car seat? She said, call the cops and do not let either of them in your house, even even though Darren would be fine. But we all know how Sylvia is. Do not let her in the house. When they arrived, Amanda showed Darren how to install the car seat and buckled Charlie in. Then, before Darren left with his daughter, Amanda said her goodbyes. So I went back to the car to just say, I had that, you know, weird feeling that I think any mom would have. And, like, I just need to say goodbye again. And to tell Charlie that I loved her and that I'd see her tomorrow because the next day was my birthday. I went back and I was saying goodbye to her and I kissed her in the forehead and I told her, I love you, princess, and I'd see her tomorrow and we'd celebrate my birthday and she'd get to see Mimi, which is my mom. And she just had the biggest smile and it was one of those sweet moments. And I just went back in the house after that, after she waved goodbye, which was a new thing. Like, literally just started doing that with people. Their parenting agreement allowed Darren to keep baby Charlie overnight. But he must have her back before 5.30 p.m. the next day. The problem was, they never dropped off Charlie on Saturday. 6 p.m. had rolled around and Amanda was unable to reach Darren or Sylvia. Eventually, Amanda called the police and requested welfare checks at Darren and Sylvia's homes. That is when Amanda left the voicemails Andrew Gailey was awoken to on November 23rd. That morning, Andrew called 911 on his way to Darren's house, where he was met by two Oakland County Sheriff's deputies. They opened the front door was unlocked, if my memory serves me correctly. When they opened the door, that's where the, the initial contact with Sylvia was made, and she was on a couch in the the living room of the house uh, with her arms um, cut open pretty pretty good draining her her blood was draining into a like a five gallon bucket they told Andrew to go back to his vehicle Andrew ran back to his vehicle and waited in his vehicle one officer started to render aid with Sylvia and then obviously called for medical assistance and knowing that there were supposed to be two other people in the house from what Andrew was telling our officers the other officer searched the the remainder of the house. This is Detective Lieutenant Willis with the Oakland County Sheriff's Department. To everyone's surprise, Sylvia was still alive despite her massive amount of blood loss. So obviously when the officers approached Sylvia, they asked her questions, what's going on, what happened, things of that nature. And she had 
which only can be described as she would speak gibberish. She made no sense. It was a lot of mumbling and a lot of repetitive stuff that had nothing to do with nothing of evidentiary value for us, certainly. Um, she couldn't describe anything that was going on. It was like she was in a state of shock. There was an allegation that she suffered a series of mini strokes. So maybe there was some aphasia um, coming on. While that officer was tending to Sylvia, the other officer was in search of seven-month-year-old Charlie. When the officer entered, he hung a left and went down the corridor, which would have, which had the bathroom um, and three bedrooms down. They, uh, the first room he came to um, was an open bedroom door. He looked in. Um, the bed was made. No signs of any kind of issue there. The house was in pretty good shape. But when he tried to open the bathroom door, it was blocked. The officer forced the door open to find a horrifying scene inside the bathroom. That was the most unique part of this whole investigation is, is the way Darren was presented. So if you can imagine going into a bathroom, the door being difficult to open and determining it's because an adult male laid on the bathroom floor. So if you open the bathroom door on the left side is a cabinet, the toilet all the way to the back is the, the, the tub. Darren's head was on a pillow, propped up on a pillow, laying against the tub. His body, he was over six feet or around six feet, laid on, he was laying on his back. His feet were touching the door. That was what was causing um, the difficulty opening the door. Darren was had a blanket up to his waist. There was a cushion uh, from the couch that was on the top of the toilet seat. The bathroom was kind of in disarray. Darren had leather construction gloves on, boxer shorts, one sock on, one sock off, and um, his his neck had been obviously lacerated at least one time, but with all the dried blood and stuff around there, we didn't know the extent of that. Unlike Sylvia, her son was dead. Darren was lying on the bathroom floor wearing only underwear, a single sock, and a pair of construction gloves. Darren's head rested on a pillow against the bathtub, and he stretched his body out far enough to hold the door shut with his feet. Although the scene inside of Darren's bathroom was bone-chilling, it wasn't why police were there, and they moved on. After that, he continued his search down the hallway to the back bedroom, and that's where he found Charlie Gailey, also the the seven-month-old child, also deceased. The baby's room had a bed in it, um, like uh, like an adult-sized bed, and the crib. The child was laid in the crib, fully dressed, diaper, pants, onesie, uh, a cardigan sweater, meticulously dressed. The body laid on her left side, so she was facing a wall, facing away from the main part of the room. She had some sort of mucus um, coming from her nose, but that was the only, for lack of a better term, disturbed area of, of the child. Charlie's autopsy yielded bizarre results. The seven-month-old died of blunt force trauma from blows to the head with a soft object. Darren's autopsy results were just as uncommon as Charlie's. Darren's throat had three significant lacerations from ear to ear. The wounds were deep enough to cause massive blood loss, 
but they weren't the cause of death. Instead, Darren died from a fourth, small laceration directly to his carotid artery. The investigators determined a chain of events from the night prior based on the condition of the crime scene in combination with the autopsy results. We had determined from Andrew Gailey that Darren had parental rights on every other weekend, but they had to be supervised rights because Darren had some cognitive or mental disabilities. We thought that perhaps Darren intentionally or unintentionally hurt the child. Perhaps Sylvia left for a time or did something, and then as a result of that, committed suicide. Because of the way he was dressed, his gloves, things of that nature, it would just make more sense that he committed suicide. And then at some point, either Sylvia came back and found this stuff that happened and, you know, understandably freaked out and tried to kill herself or or something. We, we weren't sure. That was our first initial thought. It was reasonable to assume that the soft object used to deliver the blows to Charlie's head was Darren's gloved hand. What baffled the detectives was why Darren would kill his own child. After interviews with Darren's friends and family, the investigators speculated that if Charlie's death wasn't accidental, her murder was motivated by Sylvia's behavior. The investigators believed that Darren had had enough of his mother controlling his life. Darren had tasted freedom and knew he would never have it again. So they determined that to free himself and his child from Sylvia's grasp, Darren murdered Charlie and then himself. No one that the detectives interviewed found their story to be an impossible scenario, except for Andrew Gailey. Andrew was adamant that Darren wasn't to blame and pushed for detectives to look at Sylvia, who was recovering in the hospital. The following clips are from Detective Willis's interview with Andrew. So when I hear, try, I'm trying not to jump here. When I hear the baby died of hand trauma, and I hear that Darren is dead with a wound to his throat, Darren was not suicidal by any means. He was friendly. He was, everybody loved Darren Kroger's. He was loved through the neighborhood as a kind soul. He did not have the mental capacity to know where the drug or vein was. Andrew tried to convince them that Darren wouldn't have killed himself, but he said nothing about killing Charlie. The detectives believed that Andrew was in denial, and you can't blame him. However, Darren's mental capacity did give them an explanation for why it took four tries to cut his own throat. Because she has always said she was not emotionally attached. I'm not emotionally attached to this baby. I'm just not. I'm just not doing it. Several, several, several times. So that's what I have to say. I don't believe so. Has she been released? No, she's still at the hospital as far as we know. Is she sedated? Um, so with all these things... I'm doubtful when, I, when Charlie tells me that the officer told her that they're thinking along the lines of suicide. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I don't see it work. But I'll say it again. Sylvia should not be let out until we know more information. That's what I'm saying. I, I think she should still be guarded. That's what I think and feel. Now, I know you can't go by feelings, but 
from my side, I am. Because I know that things start jiving. Suicide, Darren? Never. Never. Lieutenant Willis couldn't arrest Sylvia based on her ex-husband's gut feeling, and the evidence didn't support Andrew's theory either. What struck me as odd, because again, we had, we didn't really have a solid working theory yet. We just had a bunch of um, circumstantial evidence everywhere to suggest, you know, I mean, honestly, as a human being, the last thing you you would think is a grandmother would kill her, her granddaughter and her son. I mean, for all intents and purposes, everything I knew about Sylvia at that point was that she was a, you know, a, a upstanding member of society, never had any trouble that I knew of or anything like that. Now, you got to understand, Sylvia was in her 60s. Darren was 26. I mean, and he was in good shape, young kid. So for us to think that his mother overpowered him to do that is, is kind of a, a stretch. Lieutenant Willis tried to entertain Andrew's theory by serving a search warrant at Sylvia's home, but the judge denied it because there wasn't enough evidence. At that point, the case appeared to be open and shut. That was until Andrew called Willis late one night on the day before Darren's memorial service, demanding a top-secret meeting. Now, uh, I'm a customer of this website, and you probably are too. In fact, I shouldn't even have to tell you about it. It's been around for like a thousand years. They're ancient, but that also makes them like the most well-respected place to get this particular type of item, which, you know, you want to be discreet about. I'm talking, of course, about Adam and Eve. And with Valentine's Day coming up, it's a great time to remind you. Adam and Eve has hundreds, if not thousands, I think thousands, of sex toys ready to spice up your love life. They have everything you could possibly want to inject a little excitement into your love life this Valentine's. And Adam and Eve, like I said, has been around forever, so they were one of the first pioneers of early podcast advertising. We want to thank them for that. So for this Valentine's, head on over there and get yourself and your lover a treat. Use my code SWORD, S-W-O-R-D, and you'll get free shipping. Plus, you'll get 50% off almost any one item. So head on over to adamandeve.com and use offer code SWORD, S-W-O-R-D, at checkout. Again, that's code SWORD at adamandeve.com for 50% off almost any one item plus free shipping. Have a happy Valentine's. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Detectives believed Darren Gailey murdered his seven-month-old daughter before killing himself to free them from his mother's overbearing grip. They determined that when Sylvia Majuska discovered the murder scene, she couldn't live with what she saw and attempted suicide. The case was just about closed when Darren's father, Andrew, asked for a secret meeting. When Andrew entered the room, he asked the detectives to speak quietly. He also demanded that he promise to keep what he was about to tell them private until after his son's memorial. Okay. What I have is in here is three letters. We're not going to open them now. But I'll tell you, I got a letter. Carly got a letter. And Dora got a letter. You have the originals. I have copies. There's other detailed lists of Sylvia preparing to do this. What? This has been premeditated when you read this. My obsessive compulsiveness is followed through in the detail of records here. You won't have any trouble. I want this to stop right fucking now. In case you missed it, Andrew gave the detectives three letters Sylvia wrote. According to Andrew, the letters were clear-cut admissions that Sylvia killed Darren and Charlie. Why he didn't produce these sooner, nobody knows. Is it a confession that are in these letters? And is it uh, a confess to harming the child, both Darren mm-hmm. and? So she had this plan. Mm-hmm. And that's spelled out. It's spelled it out. doesn't leave... I would be surprised if you came up with a question out of this. I mean, sure, you'll have some. But though, I'll have real short answers or anything. It's it's there. Okay, I didn't, you know, I didn't go into it, but okay, it's there. Sylvia's youngest child, Carly, had gone to her home, where she found a binder sitting on the kitchen table. In that binder was a stack of insurance information accompanied by three letters. Sylvia had addressed the letters to Carly, her sister Dora, and Andrew. Carly opened her letter, which read, Dear Carly, well, you're the one left with the work. I've tried to patch and sort things, leave clear instructions and plenty of life insurance to make your future easier. Fly first class to take care of any estate issues and get good legal support. There's little to deal with as I've sold all my possessions to you. Let the house go back to the bank and walk away from as much as you can. Move on and live your life. You've been a sweet daughter, and I'm very proud of you. Remember all the good times we had baking, cooking, making things, and laughing, most of all. Get a really good bottle of wine and make a toast to all the wonderful times in my life. I'm satisfied with the travels and accomplishments I made. Sorry for the way things ended but my life was over a long time ago. To let Darren live could only bring more heartache. That chapter is over. Live on, prosper, and take as much happiness as you can fit into your heart. Forgive Dora. 
Much love, Mother. In the same letter that Sylvia admitted to killing her son, she asked her daughters to toast her life. Carly brought the letters to Andrew, and he read them before taking all three to the police. Sylvia's nonchalant language was no different in Andrew's letter, which read, Dear Andy, Darren lived a full life. It is not sustainable without enormous efforts on our parts. The expense is too costly, both financially and emotionally. I apologize for the lack of gratitude given to you by Dora and Meredith. You gave them a good home and so much more than their natural father did. In many ways they are unaware of. I baptized the baby, and surely she is in heaven with Darren now, at peace and protected from Amanda and her brother. She can't hurt Darren anymore or inflict mental anguish on their daughter. Carly is executor, and I have left instructions to help her with legal paperwork. There are several life insurance policies that should leave both her and Dora okay financially. Hopefully, after a few months, Everyone will move forward and realize that what I did was for the good. I'm sorry for any anguish I have caused you. It was done with an open heart. Take care, Sylvia. Sylvia had written and placed the letters in her home under the assumption that she would be dead by the time Carly found them. Although it wasn't a confession, the letters were Sylvia's attempt at justifying the murder of her son and granddaughter. In a way, Sylvia almost bragged as if by killing them, she did her last good deed as a mother. The investigation was turned on its head, and law enforcement rushed to Sylvia's hospital room before Andrew left the station. The next day, Lieutenant Willis had the forensics team back at Darren's house for an in-depth look at the scene. When we went back in the house, what I didn't mention to you before is we have a a scan, almost like a what realtors have now when you do walkthroughs of homes. We have a scanner that can recreate the scene. And, but it was brand new and it was the first time our, our agency ever used it. So it took forever for us to do. Well, while we're allowing these scans to go and whatnot, we're thinking about ideas or whatever, we decide to use Blue Star, Luminol, whatever, and we sprayed it in a, a bunch of different areas. It revealed a pretty extreme scene, if you know what I mean. It led us into the bedroom, Darren's bedroom, where when we pulled back the covers, you could see blood stains on the sheets underneath, although his comforter was over it at the time. There's a lot of blood transitioned between the bedroom and the bathroom right across the hall. There was blood in the um, the kitchen. There was blood in the, the dining room. There was blood in or, yeah, the dining room kitchen area and obviously where Sylvia was. Um, in the living room where she cut her arm. Darren's home was spotless to the naked eye, but the blue light made it look like a slaughterhouse. A receipt was found on the kitchen counter and showed a more sinister meaning behind the argument over the car seat. So as we're reviewing it, and you know, there was a receipt also on the countertop and it says car seat in the car and $63 or something to that effect um, from the mire near um, Darren's house. That led us to go to the Meyer and Darren's house to watch the transaction that occurred because we felt the time frame was very, very close to when this murder occurred. 
Meyer supplies the video, you could you could see, obviously it had no audio, but you could see an argument kind of ensuing over this. It seems after the fact, we determined that Sylvia was quite upset via interviews with Amanda and others that that this car seat was even had to be bought. Um, she was she was really, really, really upset about it. So um, she had every intention upon on, on this at the end of this all being wrapped up, someone taking that car seat back and getting their $63 back, which is, again, kind of kind of wacky. An examination of Sylvia's phone also revealed a Google search for carotid artery, giving Lieutenant Willis everything he needed to determine what occurred over the weekend of November 21st, 2014. In Sylvia's quest to gain complete control over her son, she had exhausted all of Darren's money and in process drained herself emotionally. So rather than give up control to someone better suited for the situation she put them all in, Sylvia chose to murder her son and granddaughter instead. Sylvia planned the murders on Friday, and she wrote the letters assuming that she would be dead by the time her family found them. Sylvia then picked up Darren and reluctantly purchased the car seat that only she knew would never be used again. That night, Sylvia tucked Darren and his daughter into bed and waited for them to fall asleep. Once Sylvia heard Darren snoring, she took the box cutter out of his working bag and snuck into his bedroom. Sylvia slashed her son's throat three times from ear to ear, but failed to sever any major blood vessels. Then Darren got out of his bed, holding his gaping neck, and walked to the bathroom wearing only his underwear. Darren stood over the bathroom sink scared and confused, asking his mother for help. Sylvia was calm and collected as she laid her son down and tried to comfort him like she wasn't the cause of his suffering. Darren had lost a lot of blood and was lying on a cold bathroom floor in the middle of winter. When Darren looked up at his mother, the person who had always promised to take care of him and told her that he was cold, Sylvia left the bathroom. When she returned, Sylvia put a pillow under Darren's head, covered him in his favorite blanket, and dressed him in winter gloves and socks. Sylvia then placed a pillow on the toilet seat where she sat over her son and Googled how to cut his carotid artery. Darren laid his arms down by his sides, unafraid of the person seated above him, and stared at the reassuring face of his mother. Sylvia cut Darren's neck one last time, and he bled to death, leaving his head fixed on where she sat. After Darren was dead, Sylvia cleaned the entire house until it was relatively spotless. Sylvia then walked into her granddaughter's room, where the baby slept peacefully in her crib. And then Sylvia did the unthinkable. She beat seven-month-old baby Charlie to death, and then placed her back into a sleeping position before walking to the living room and cutting her own wrists. While lying in her hospital bed, law enforcement arraigned Sylvia on two counts of first-degree premeditated murder. 
When Amanda learned the truth of what happened, she felt relieved to know the man she loved never hurt their daughter. Sylvia took so much. So many things. The life that they were supposed to have together, the lives we were supposed to have together. Amanda buried their daughter while she waited for the trial to begin. At the funeral, one of Darren's co-workers brought seven balloons to release in honor of Charlie and one for Darren. I would like anyone hearing this to know that Darren Gailey was a very special person. Uh, he had some kind of, of cognitive or developmental disability, but he was absolutely and in every way a full human being. And more than that, and I'm not saying this because he's dead. I'm not saying this because he had some kind of, of disability. It's just a reality. He had a soul made of gold. He was anxious. He, had, he was a full person, so he had his days. But he was such a kind soul. He helped people out at his job. He liked doing his work. I believe he genuinely loved his, his now ex-wife. And I know without a doubt he loved his baby. And, and it is not often that an attorney can say that they loved a client. And I really loved that guy. He was a good person. Uh, sometimes he drove me nuts. Uh, clients that pick up the phone and, and blow you up three, four times a day. And I'm not saying that's what he did. But any, anyone can press your limits. But Darren was a special person, and I was very confident that his child was going to be a special person as, as growth happened. Unfortunately, that opportunity was taken away. Oakland County Jail kept Sylvia on suicide watch until February 12, 2015, when a psychiatrist found her incompetent to stand trial. Sylvia had found one more way of manipulating the courts by acting crazy during her examinations. However, Sylvia was only able to keep it up for two years. Finally, a second psychiatric evaluation found Sylvia completely normal, and shortly after, she pled no contest to the murders. And I will tell you, based on this experience that I had, there, there may be cases where you can, quote, tell by looking. But in this instance, I never saw it coming. Not in a million, billion years. Sylvia was an anxious person, Maybe a little controlling, maybe a lot controlling, but never did I think that she would ever contemplate, let alone actually carry out the murder of her own son and her own grandbaby as an infant. I mean, that's a level of, of distorted thinking or some people like to write things off as evil. And I just don't know. I don't know what's real. I know that in my heart, I, I believe evil exists. And I know that that act looks evil from the outside. But was, was her thinking what I would call evil thinking, or was it just so distorted that what she did in that moment was, in her mind, the only solution to end her own personal hell that she might have felt trapped in? I just don't know. But I do know that it took an amazing person off of this planet and another person who was going to turn out to be an amazing person. And it robbed everybody involved of the opportunity to get to know them. And it robbed Amanda of an opportunity to be a mother to her child for the rest of her literal life. In November 2017, Sylvia Majuska was found guilty of two counts of second-degree murder and will serve up to 50 years in prison. Sylvia addressed the court after her sentencing and spent most of her time describing what a good mother she was. I was hypervigilant, constantly, constantly helping him, and that's all I ever did was help him. 
until I ran out and hit a breaking point. I did everything I possibly could. I just reached a breaking point where it was impossible and it did something to me. I broke. Something happened. It wasn't anything mild. It was something terrible that happened. I feel what happened. It's really hard to live with that. Even though I don't know what happened, I accept it. I accept responsibility for it. It's a real shame. I'm very sorry. I'm so sorry you have no idea. This is beyond belief. I really have done a lot of grieving. What Sylvia failed to recognize was that she didn't have to take care of Darren. When Darren married Amanda, his life was going well. It was when Sylvia refused to give up control that Darren's life fell apart. Sylvia chose to be Darren's guardian. Sylvia forced Darren into a divorce that put him in debt. Sylvia demanded that she supervise Darren's visits with Charlie. Sylvia brought those responsibilities upon herself. And when she couldn't handle them anymore, she decided to murder her son and granddaughter. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be back a week from now with episode 197. Until then, don't forget to stay safe. Good morning. I just wanted to check in and let you guys know I just listened to the most recent plus episode on Craig Rideout and his family. I actually know the Rideouts really well, and my dad um, actually took Robin's mom to the trial every day. It was big news around here, and um, I was so curious why no one had done that yet because it's such a horrifying story, especially that not everybody was found guilty. It's just crazy to me. So anyways, you should see a huge uptick in memberships because I've sent it to my whole family and uh, people are really interested. I loved your viewpoint. Uh, Craig lost the chance to have his voice and you gave it to him. So again, this is Stu. I've been um, been a uh, Plus member for quite a while and I absolutely love your podcast. It's my number one favorite go-to. So with that, uh, just say thanks and bye. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS, if you know what I mean? You need Shopify for retail. Did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales 
into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash sword and scale, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sword and scale to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sword and scale, all lowercase and no spaces. Shopify.com slash sword and scale. Now, uh, I'm a customer of this website and you probably are too. In fact, I shouldn't even have to tell you about it. It's been around for like a thousand years. They're ancient, but that also makes them like the most well-respected place to get this particular type of item, which, you know, you want to be discreet about. I'm talking, of course, about Adam and Eve. And with Valentine's Day coming up, it's a great time to remind you. Adam and Eve has hundreds, if not thousands I think thousands of sex toys ready to spice up your love life. They have everything you could possibly want to inject a little excitement into your love life this Valentine's. And Adam and Eve, like I said, has been around forever. So they were one of the first pioneers of early podcast advertising. We want to thank them for that. So for this Valentine's, head on over there and get yourself and your lover a treat. Use my code SWORD, S-W-O-R-D, and you'll get free shipping. Plus, you'll get 50% off almost any one item. So head on over to adamandeve.com and use offer code SWORD, S-W-O-R-D, at checkout. Again, that's code SWORD at adamandeve.com for 50% off almost any one item plus free shipping. Have a happy Valentine's.